imagine yourself as one of the crew of this faster-than-light spaceship of the future, sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Baffling questions, astounding questions, that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can ask. You're listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio. Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Ryan Parrish, and joining me today is Mr. Philip Ellis. Hello. Mr. Guy Halford. Hello. And Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello. Slightly, slightly different episode from usual. We're here live at the Mockingbird Theatre with an actual audience. Say hello, everybody. How we usually do our podcast is we all just talk about what we've been doing for the week, what idiot stuff we've been up to. We'll pick out a few weird news stories. We'll talk about something geeky and then we'll just rant at you for about 10 minutes. That's how it usually works. I mean, so far so good. Yeah. It's worked for two years. <laughs> right. So, Phil, what have you been up to this week? Um, so I have just got back from Pride in London. I apologise if you're just finding glitter everywhere, because that is me. Um, I've showered, I'm wearing clean clothes, but it just keeps appearing. I don't know how. <laughs> so yes, I'm in London for Pride yesterday, which was fantastic. Also, I hear that it's it's coming home. Yay! <laughs> was that you on the train earlier? <laughs> <laughs> and while I was also, also while I was in London, I, I don't know if anyone here is aware of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, so, yes, woo, yes. So on Friday, I had the pleasure and honour to interview Courtney Act from season six, which was a nice, fun highlight of my week. But you wasn't allowed to take a selfie. I wasn't allowed to take a selfie because we were in a very posh venue, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey the rules. <laughs> Guy, what have you been up to? I too went to London and made the biggest mistake of the year. So I booked my girlfriend tickets to go and see Chicago. Thing Under the impression I was going to see Cuba Gooden Jr. live on stage, I got Martin Kemp. Martin <laughs> Kemp. That must be the biggest downgrade in history. <sighs> Even with upgraded seats. Do you know what? It's like Cuba was on it to the week before, and I looked it up, and then, and then it was like, oh, now Martin Kemp's doing it. It's kind of like, I just don't understand how you go from... I mean, let's face it, Cuba Gooden Jr. isn't great. I just wanted to shout, show me the money at him. But... <laughs> What can I shout at Martin Kemp? I'm not going to start singing true in front of him. But I also foolishly booked this during the England game. So I had to sit there quietly on my phone watching the score as the, as the Chicago performance was going on. It, it was, at I think it's the biggest mistake of the year. than those two old ladies who were watching Titanic the musical whilst watching the penalties on their phone in the front row. I feel like, so one of my biggest hates is people who listen to stuff on their phone without earphones. It's just like, I believe, I think you should get an ASPO for doing that. And yeah, I mean, I, I think there, there were maybe some people who would argue that when it's like the World Cup, that should be allowed. I'm not one of them. I think it's disgusting. What's, what's disgusting is that people pay to go and see a Titanic musical. What's that about? What, but what's next? Auschwitz the musical. <laughs> I was going to say, is it 100 years time? You're going to get how, like 9-11, the musical how, yeah, what is Broad the, Street. What's the statute of limitations on turning a real life tragedy into, you know, a, a sort of great singing, dancing romp of a, a production? Have you never seen the producers? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, we have an apprentice at work at the moment and she thought, Everything in Titanic was true. Because it said based on a true story, she thought Jack and Rose was the true story She's as well. Still got the job. Still got the job for the moment. Where are the historical documents saying, like, this, this lady from high society got that- baps out for Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> 
there's a film of it. Everything you see on film is true. <laughs> Maybe he was trying to explain to her that part of it wasn't true, and then she was like, so Titanic's not true? But it, it's not of the boat sank. And it sank, and that's about it. But we yeah. wouldn't know the, story, the real life stories because they all died. <laughs> Just not somebody there on the telegraph <laughs> in the last few minutes <laughs> popping a script over to James Cameron. Anyway, Keith, what have you been up to this week? I spent a very pleasant afternoon at Nostalgia and Comics for Small Press Day while a certain football game was on. Have you been paid to promote them? It no. Feels, that feels like a I, rec- I received like no paid. did you get for, to promote I, I, pay, I pay them money for comics. <laughs> I just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deal gone wrong. Uh, yeah, so it was nice because it was nice and quiet because the football was on. So it was good. And the other thing I was doing this week was spending an awful lot of time on eBay, having seen Flight of the Concords the other week. I became obsessed with Jermaine Clement and his Omnicord. So I spent ages on eBay trying to find an Omnicord I could buy, and so I bought one. What's an Omnicord? An Omnicord comes from the Suzuki Corporation, and it's an electronic musical instrument that has uh, all the chords and a little uh, kind of uh, touch strum bar. Chords as in strings? Uh, no, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of it's like an auto harp but electronic. You always rib me for how much I spend on records. How much did you spend on this piece of? Tats? I, I bartered them down. Uh, from from over two hundred oh. pounds to under two hundred pounds. <laughs> let's guess it. Let's guess so it. So it's two hundred one hundred ninety nine pounds and ninety nine pence uh, plus postage. Yeah, <laughs> but so it was over two hundred pounds. No, we, we don't count postage. Postage doesn't count. That I could have bought two Eddie Grant records for that, mate. <laughs> I know, and uh, but now it can take my uh, impromptu idents to a new level because I can just bring the Omnicord in every week and do a whole kind of musical interlude every week for you. I think that's a level of progression we're not ready for yet. <laughs> You'll be impressed. When you, when you hear it going, you'll, you'll love it. I mean, I'm presuming that it hasn't been delivered yet, and that's why you haven't no, bought it, hasn't it to been today. today. Hasn't been, if I've ever had it, it would certainly been here. Did you not pay for the express shipping? No. Well, that would have I only bought it yesterday. Pounds, I only it? bought it yesterday. It's not been. But I could have done Carol Brown live. Have, uh, have you told your lovely wife yet? Yeah, oh, yeah, she knew. She <laughs> what knew. What was her reaction? Great, because she'll use it as well. Because she's a musician. So she's currently playing at another, <laughs> oh, okay. another venue at the moment right now. So, yeah. So I'm going to be uh, omnicorded up soon. But Are you just trying to join the band? No, because they're, they're a country band and I'm not into country. So. I'm, I'm waiting for this like, Flight of the Concords tribute act to happen. It will happen. Flight of the Albatrosses or whatever. Um, Flight of the Inner City Seagull, I think is what it's going to be. Um, they but, are so mean. I know, it'll be a very angry band. We'll do thrash metal on the Omnicord. I just see yeah, it. Mega Death tracks, yeah, but slowed down. Oh, but you're right, we even do it. Uh, I spent three days in bed. It's great. Can move on to the show then. Cool. Good story. Brilliant. No, my back decided to go randomly on Sunday. <laughs> She's fine. But my back decided to go randomly on Sunday. So I spent three days in bed watching films on Now TV and watched the worst film of my life so far. What was it? Transformers The Last Night. Is that the one with Marky Mark in it? It is the one with Marky Mark in it. It's the second one with Marky Mark. It was that bad. He even he's not coming back for the next one. Just wasn't getting those good no. vibrations. No. <laughs> But anyway, that was about it. So it is time for one of it's our like favorite. the best for last there, really. Yep, we'll see <laughs> it's time for one of our favorite features. So we have a regular feature called Weird News, which is where I go, squirrel away, find some weird news stories to tell the rest of the team. And we usually pick three. We select two out of those to share with our audience. So we're going to give you the titles to you guys today and let you vote on them, see which ones you prefer first. Sound good? Yeah. To start us off from BBC News, Polish charity gets a huge phone bill thanks to a stalk. Second one from the Irish Times, TK Maxx bought Wicklow staff two goldfish in a bid to hold a strike. (laughs) 
Third one from Reuters.com. Greenpeace smashes Superman's shaped drone into French nuclear power plant. I have so many questions about all of these. <laughs> I also it? want to know what, who the authors of each of these are as well. <laughs> Yes. It's a I've even got a bonus fourth one just for today as well, which is crows apparently are always jerks to ravens, according to the National Geographic <laughs> magazine. Um, can we influence the audience into which ones they vote for? You can influence crows. Go for crows. TK Maxx. TK Maxx. <laughs> I I stalk. Can you please <laughs> vote? Just just stalk. How are they going to vote with what? How Hands up. Go run into the audience and pick a random person. Yeah. Go on. He, yes. likes, he likes running around at events. <laughs> Gives him a bit of exercise. Let him off the chain. We'll know who he's picked because they'll be covered in glitter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she's read the stalk one already. Oh, it's a shame. <laughs> We'll go with crows, right? We'll go with crows to start off with. So this is from naturalgeographic.com, and it is funny. by Annie Roth. Not Tim Roth, Annie Roth. Okay, at least that sounds like a real name. Yes. It's not bird-related. Yes. So crows are always jerks to ravens, research confirms. A new study shows that although crows are smaller than ravens, they are always the aggressors when it comes to the two species interacting. Small man syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Living alongside a group of crows can be a murder for a raven. Puns are already starting. Across North America, common ravens are regularly harassed by gangs of crows, according to a new study published Wednesday in the Orc Ornithological Advances. That was a mouthful. In 97% of reported interactions between crows and ravens, scientists report crows are the aggressors. So that would explain why it's called a murder of crows, but only an unkindness of ravens. Mm -hmm. Like ravens are like the passy Aggie bird, whereas crows are like, I will F you up. I, I just imagine crow fight clubs being like put on by the scientists. I'm picturing a rumble, like in West Side Story. Like the crows are just there on the street corner, like... <laughs> just like bouncing around, putting the wings up. I'm just wondering where the magpies are in all of this. Going off to something shiny. They're distracted. Like, like, distract you know on my roof, making a load of noise at five o'clock in the morning. I'm now that's why the single for this research to happen. Like, why did this happen? Well, shall we carry on with the article? Apparently the grudge match goes way back. Sorry, why has that <laughs> sentence been written in an article? The grudge match. <laughs> I said it's like WWE. It's been building up over many seasons. I mean, like if you're writing for National Geographic, you need to inject some spice into it somehow, don't you? <laughs> what's the song that the crows, like, come into their fight with? What, what do they... What's the counting crows? Oh, oh counting crows. What's, what, what's, the, what's the, that, that soundtrack, the, the song from the soundtrack of Glow? I Am The Warrior? <laughs> I think it's going to be that. <laughs> or it's that Cure song from The Crow. <laughs> the Grudge Match goes way back. In North America, ravens are both competitors and predators of the crow. Given the chance, brazen jet black ravens will happily make a meal out of a crow's clutch of eggs. And one to one, a crow doesn't stand a chance against a raven, which can reach up to three times the size of a crow's weight. Well, now I'm, understand- I'm starting to understand the crow side of it. <laughs> like, if the ravens come around as, like, eating your kids... <laughs> I, I, I'd be mugged off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the crows lack in size, they gain in numbers. Ganging up gives crows the upper hand, says Ben Freeman, postdoctoral fellow at the University of British Columbia and lead author of this story. Many bird species, including crows, flycatchers, red-winged birds, will conduct a coordinated attacks at behaviour known as mobbing to deter the encroaching predators. Mobbing birds will dive-bomb, squawk at, and even poo on an animal they consider a threat. <laughs> I'm sure I've seen I'm sure we've seen behaviour similar to this on Broad Street on a Saturday night quite often. Yeah, yeah, a coordinated attack on the kebab shop. 
I mean, this is starting to sound a bit more like quadrophenia. <laughs> That's another 500 words, but I, I think know. we've got the gist yeah. of the story now. So are we ready for story number two? So to recap, we have Greenpeace crashing a Superman drone into a nuclear power plant, TK Maxx getting goldfish to a halter strike, or the Polish charity getting the huge phone bill. I have a question for Tom Caban. What story do you want? I'm easy. <laughs> yeah, I know that, but what story do you want? What was your main choices? So we have Greenpeace with their drone, TK Maxx with their goldfish, or the Polish charity with a huge phone bill. I'm, I'm hearing goldfish. 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 No, it's never stalk. <laughs> so TK Maxx bought Wicklow Stash two goldfish in a bid to halt the strike. This is from Martin Wall. Okay. That's a real name. Yeah. Martin Wall? Yes. You went out of your way to find stories that were written by real people this week, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. We had Cron last week. K-R-O-N. Was his, that was the byline. Just Cron. <laughs> we thought he'd just like, escaped from Conan the Barbarian and decided to take a career in journalism as a more lucrative enterprise. Yeah, so, so, into the story. Workers at TK Maxx Outlet in Arklow are to stage a one-day strike next Saturday in a dispute over pay, hours and rosters. On a Saturday? They're having a laugh. The trade union mandate, not that one, Phil, said the company had reluctantly <laughs> to give a pay increase and even bought two goldfish as a peace offering. But members wanted a permanent solution to their problems. That's like when you're a freelancer and they say, we can pay you in exposure. Here's a, <laughs> here's a goldfish. I could just imagine them shaking the bag at the staff like, ooh, ooh. Or like, oh, come work for us because we've got like a pool table in the rec room, but we don't give you a, a living wage or health benefits. So <laughs> here's a goldfish. Do you think they panic though? Like, we need to get these people a gift and like, there's pets at home next door. So let's get them a couple of goldfish and I'll be happy about it. It was either that or Halfords and nobody wants <laughs> 16 root and 16 car freshers. Here's a bike pump. I, I do feel that it's a very inconsiderate gift yeah. um, because it's basically giving somebody something. It's like, here, here is a present that you now have to be responsible for. It's like being given a Tamagotchi, isn't it? It's just a yeah. task. To or like given. a plant. <laughs> like, it's so hard to keep those things alive. I killed a cactus. I almost <laughs> thought you were going to say, killed a cat, then. <laughs> oh, no. That was really weird. I, I, my, so my cactus didn't survive, and that was when I decided that um, I, wasn't no, gonna, no I was animals. not going to adopt the cat. Also, when I, when I went to see it at the shelter, it wasn't cute enough. No, did you water the cactus, Phil? What? They're cacti. How, they don't need water. That's the whole point of them. <laughs> if you do adopt a pet, I do want it to become a TV show. So it could be like Phil Ellis's cat race. So they've all got to come on and do They've all got to get dressed up. Oh, so you know Phil would dress any animal given to him in little matching oh, outfits. Oh, the content. <laughs> the content we get. Birmingham, 8.30 prime time, that show. Has none of us seen Cats versus Dogs? That is pretty much one of the reasons why the megalomaniac cat is the villain in that one, because he keeps getting dressed up. Yeah, I, I, I'm willing to be some cat supervillain's origin story. <laughs> I think Phil would be the owner of a megalomaniac. There's nothing wrong with Cats versus Dogs. It's a great film. What? Yeah, it was better than Show Dogs, Guy. <laughs> I didn't go and see it. I wanted to. I had an afternoon off. I was I, tempted. I feel we're getting off topic, though. <laughs> yes, to return to the goldfish. Oh, yeah, goldfish. <laughs> yes. Forget, we forget, like, goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> the union claimed that TK Maxx through the employer's body, IBEC, had informed the court that it would not be attending or heeding the Labour Court process, saying that their direct employee engagement process is in place. Mandate said the refusal of the company to allow their workers' representation has left them with no alternative to strike. Mandate divisional organiser for Wicklow, Michael Meegan, said, Once again, we have a high pro highly profitable and very successful multinational retailer refusing to engage with their workers through representatives and ignoring the state industrial relations process. This is regrettable and frustrating for our members. That's a really... Boring that gets the good stuff. <laughs> but there's no further mention of the... Oh, here we are. 
Remarkably, the company even bought two goldfish for the R-closed door as a peace offering or inducement not to partake in trade union activities. Hang on, was that two goldfish each or was that two goldfish for like in the No, two goldfish room? for the store. Where are they putting them? Are they, is it in the staff room? Where are they putting them just in the kitchen sink? Like what's but going on here? In one of the tills. It's TV I mean, Max. So if, they see, if someone sees a goldfish, they can be like, oh, that's for sale. <laughs> 50% off. It's, it's in homewares, you know. <laughs> Does the goldfish come with the, with the glass bowl? <laughs> I think we'll leave weird news there for now. Okay. I think that was fun. To move on to our next section, DC movies. Are they worth Sun the time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, yes, they are that bad, but we'll cover off why they're that bad. Basically, why don't they work in the cinema compared to... rubbish. Next feature. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, you have notes. I have notes, yeah, because, I, I mean, I'm a big comics fan from, from a very long time ago. So I made a list of good, middling, bad. Uh, good is two films. But three. actually, I've, I've, I've got more on the good side than I have on the bad, surprisingly. Because there are some good DC movies out there. So obviously, this Superman 78 is great, proper Superman. Tim Burton's Batman, that's really good. And then it's kind of things like, I mean, even though V for Vendetta has got its detractors and Watchmen's got its detractors, they're reasonably good movies. Would you class those as DC movies? Yeah, because they were published by DC Comics, so I think um, they're, they're kind they're of They're not DC, DC characters, they're more Alan Moore's characters, I'd say. No, they're, they're not Alan DC. Moore's characters. Well, he wants not in to any be. way, shape or form. He before. wants them to be Alan Moore's characters again. If you're reading uh, Doomsday Clock at the moment, Alan has nothing to do with them. And then you've got kind of middling ones, like Constantine, which I quite liked, even though it was Keanu Reeves, not... A scouser or whatever it is. We, we, we do stand Keanu Reeves on this podcast. Yeah, we though. love him. He's fantastic. I, I adore him. And I, I still kind of put the Christopher Nolan Batmans in there as well, in the middle. Not great. They're kind of okay. But Ooh. that's just the worst case of like some straight white male director deciding that superheroes have to be Shakespeare. It's just like, oh, it's like, it's a, it's a grown ass man dressed as a bat, but it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think, exactly why DC don't, do as well as Marvel because they take it too seriously. Yeah. And they don't have any fun with it. And when they do, they get it wrong. So something like Green Lantern, when they got Ryan Reynolds to do it, <laughs> completely, completely got it wrong. Green what? Sounds fake. I can't remember a film of that title. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, the, uh, for me, all the good DC stuff are the animated ones. So things like Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. uh, Sub-Zero, the 66 animated Batmans that they had. So Adam West oh, and I Burt Ward come back. Even the, yeah, even the Doomsday. So I think... The ones that are coming at the idea of it's for all ages work really good. What I think DC get wrong is thinking all comic fans are 40-year-old white guys with disposable income that want serious drama in their... Um, oh, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it loses all life. It's all... It just becomes... It gets sucked of yeah. its joy. I explain this as the Zack Snyder effect, so which was infected the entire DC Expanded Universe. So if we go into the Expanded Universe, so we had Man of Steel back in 2013, Batman vs Superman 2016, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League. There is only one good film in that list, which it's is Wonder Woman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was a great film because yeah. it played more with the comedy element of it. No, and there was, there was some slight comedy elements in it's Wonder Woman. It's just a remake of Captain America. It's rubbish. I, but it's yeah. set in the first world. world. <laughs> it's totally different. But well, I mean, it, it's kind of sad that it, it's. I mean, if we're ignoring Halle Berry as Catwoman, which I think we all are agreed we should, <laughs> it is the first flagpole, flagpole, tentpole. What's tentpole. that? Tentpole, <laughs> flagpole. The first tentpole superhero movie um, led by a woman. Yeah. And um, and it was brilliant. Was, it, was Electra before that? Again, I choose not to recognise that film. <laughs> Jennifer Garner, uh, uh, just no. Why are you all ignoring Barbed Wire? 
<laughs> Pamela Anderson. I mean, you know, that's a classic. Does that even count as a superhero? It's yeah, as a comic it's book a movie. Comic book. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, I think um, after Aquaman this December, I think Shazam is going to be the interesting one for DC in terms of that is a fun character. He's not an overly serious... We're talking about a kid who turns into a well, massive superhero. They do feel like they've got more... Yeah, basically, he's gone Well, they've got more with a fun Acaso. We've got Zachary Levi, who mm. was Chuck, been in the Thor movies for about 30 femtoseconds. Was his screen time in that? Mark Strong, Ross Butler, who's from Riverdale, 13 Reasons Why. Rotten Cephas Jones from This Is Us, and Adam Brody from The O.C. So they seem to be going with this kind of slash... That's going to be... CWE kiddie... Yeah. Has anybody seen pictures of Zachary Levi dressed up as Shazam? Has anybody seen it yet? Does anybody care? <laughs> <laughs> now we're waiting for. We're all crying about Tom Holland in Avengers still. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's spoiler alert. It's, it's interesting <laughs> because he's in a he's in a kind of muscle suit, so he looks like the, the Flash from the kind of uh, mid nineties. Mm-hmm. So he's not even got himself. He's not done a Hugh Jackman and got himself ripped for this oh, role. He's just wearing a big massive suit. Oh, it looks great. It should be fun. Do you know what? Any film that has an exclamation mark in the title shouldn't be released. It's pathetic. Uh, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't associate an exclamation mark in that film title. Like, I wouldn't think about that as an exclamation mark. But that just looks stupid. It looks like it looks like kids' sweets. It's like, can I have a, like, can I have a ticket to see Shazam, please? It's like, no, it's like, I don't want to do no, that. No, it's, it's Shazam. That's ridiculous. But it's you're like, okay when you turn the exclamation mark upside down and call it mother. Yep. I won't hear a bad word about mother. I am not having this conversation again. The first and last time I went to the cinema with Guy was to watch Mother. He was like, come and watch this. It's got a great cast in it. You got Javier Bardem. No, 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 no. Can we please get away from that subject? So the one I'm actually looking forward to is Wonder Woman 1984, which I'm thinking is going to be a fun film. I'm not sure how they've managed to wedge Chris Pine back to it somehow. It's going to be like his son or his grandson or something. something like like his identical grandson. And she's going to like, you know, throw down with him. And it's not going to be weird that she dated his, you know, ancestor. But I'm looking forward to like the Duran Duran 80s synth the photo pop of, soundtrack. And, and the photo of the photos of Chris Pine and Gal Gadot in their 80s gear. Yeah. Iconic. I want boiler suits to be a thing again. It's a good year at 84. Although they could go, and it's Captain Kirk from the future, come back to the past <laughs> to help save the DC universe. I what is this? Some kind of crossover episode? <laughs> well, if you can do Star Trek meets Planet of the Apes, you can do Star Trek meets the DC universe. That's good. They've already met the Green Lanterns at some point in the comics. So I reckon Captain Kirk should come back and save the world. But he doesn't, and Wonder Woman yeah. has to save him. That would be better. Um, what I'm looking forward to with um, Wonder Woman 984 is Kristen Wiig has joined the cast. So that, I think, they're going to find the the lightness and the humour um, in, in whatever she's doing, I think. Because she's a great actress, but she's a great comedian. So that's why they would bring her in, I presume. I did like when they had that. They first had it, and they announced it like, here's your first picture of Kristen Wiig as the cheetah in Wonder Woman 1984. It was basically her just standing in a room looking at the ceiling. <laughs> it was so <laughs> revealing. Pedro Pascal, who has made his career out of being in Game of Thrones for about 10 episodes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and, just I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm here for that. And then you got the rumor of Linda Carter 
Carter appearing in some small role, possibly oh, cameo. Rumor that is. Ooh, cameo, original cameo Wonder appearance. Original Ooh. Wonder Woman. It'd be nice to have her back That'd on the screen. Very nice. Yeah, it's nice not back. We flip over to DC animated side. So we've not had much success there either in what they released for home. I mean, we've had stuff like Batman: The Killing Joke, which Terrible. fell quite flat. Batman: Gotham by Gaslight, which is one of my favorite comic books, which they murdered in film form. <laughs> Suicide Squad just stopped now with Suicide Squad. I think. That, that just needs to go away and die. And then they split Batman Doomsday into two parts now. So we've had the death of Superman that's been out recently. And then we've got Reign of the Superman coming out as well. I think it's the same problem for the animated as it was for the films. The earlier animation that's based on the animated series Batman and Superman was much more fun, much more engaged with their comic book roots. As the, fi- as the film started to be the kind of thing that drew the audience in, they started making the kind of slightly more mature aspect animations. Things like this, like you said, the Suicide Squad and the Killing Jokes, and it just doesn't work. I don't think it's, it's very that good. Dark and gritty thing that Warner Brothers seem to be obsessed yeah. with. It. If it's not dark and gritty, it doesn't work. They ruin Suicide Squad by saying actually we can put a bit of humour in, and then just wedging those scenes in with no continuity. They basically, saw Deadpool and were like, "Yeah, what if that?" But for us, and then saw Logan and went. Yeah, what if that were a little bit darker? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Like pick pick one thing and do that one thing. I quite enjoyed Batman Ninja. That well, that good. wasn't really debt level led by Warner Brothers Animation, though, no. it's more of the Japanese side. Sorry to out to our audience, do we think DC is worth the time, or would you prefer to go and watch a Marvel movie? Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. There you go. <laughs> I think that pretty much is conclusive, <laughs> though. I think DC facts are facts. Yeah, I think it's pretty much conclusive, though. Conclusive proof. Moving on to the next thing. So we thought we'd talk about a little bit about Birmingham film and TV that has been filmed in the local area. We have the rumour that Channel 4 might be coming to Birmingham soon, which we're all excited for. Uh, Huff Power have been in town all week uh, gathering stories of Birmingham from the local people. So we thought we'd revisit a bit of Birmingham's filming history and TV and stuff that's been set and staged around Birmingham. Surely the only story they've got this week, though, is it's coming home, right? That's like literally us, like every single... <laughs> it's coming home. Well, not unless you're a Broad, broad Street bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at some of the films that have been filmed in and around Birmingham. So Clockwise, 1986, John Cleese. I have never heard of <laughs> People are just going, what? Who? Yes. Is that a band? What? <laughs> it was, I think most of it was filmed at... King Edwards? Yes, School. and a little bit at Birmingham University. Yeah. So it was mostly interiors and stuff. It wasn't easy to spot that it was Birmingham, so it was mm-hmm. quite hard. Right, basically, John Cleese playing a headmaster and doing John Cleesey things, which is falling over and making big noises, yeah, and shouting at people randomly. Being driven around by a teenager in a mini. It's, it's, uh, it's You're a not saying it's Classic! <laughs> 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 Next one along, which is probably one of the darkest points in Birmingham's film history, is Sex Lives of the Potato Man. <laughs> so... Is this um, Irvin, Wel- Irvin Welsh? <laughs> I don't even. Is it or was Irvin it? Walsh? Oh no, I was thinking of I was thinking of the private lives of no, the Masters. Like yeah. Because I only I only ever watched that in a double bill with I bought a vampire motorcycle. So you know. I wonder about that movie. Yes. <laughs> so you have Mackenzie Crook and Johnny Vegas being two chip shop. Let's stop it. Chips there. delivery. You sold people. it. You sold it. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of the most awful things I have had the misfortune to watch in my lifetime. And I think it fully deserves its reputation as being one of the worst films made in that decade. Well, I mean, that is a feather in Birmingham's cap, if nothing else. Yes. Well, it was actually set in Birmingham as well, so it doesn't really give us the great light. <laughs> I mean, when we smooched stuff like, so recently we've had The Girl With All The Gifts filmed in parts of Birmingham. We've had The Call Up filmed, which was an indie sci-fi movie. Kingsman, The Golden Circle, Ready Player One. We're attracting some big films here now. But it seems to be they're not Birmingham-based. They're it's- using Birmingham as a setting 
Are we becoming the Vancouver of the UK, where it's like yeah. cheap, nice and cheap to film here, but then they, it's like it's like Vancouver posing as every other major city. It's, it's like Atlanta, Georgia, where yes. everybody seems to have moved in the states now because it's cheap. Kingsman: The Golden Circle. I watched that on a plane this year, and I knew that it had been filmed in Birmingham, and I was like, but where? It was the first five minutes, the car chase. Where it's just like Birmingham, generic Birmingham, city Birmingham. street. <laughs> That's the back of the museum. That's the back of Cornwall Row. It's, yeah. it's easy to spot it. But it's the same with um, Ready Player One. I mean, I watched that entire movie and the best bits for it were the bit where you go, That's on the roof at Digbeth. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the, the back of what's going to be Primark in that. <laughs> see, that was just like, I felt like a personal imposition um, because it took me longer to get to my local pub when they were filming in Birmingham because they, they closed off the street next to me. Town. It was like I was like, Steve, it's Friday afternoon. <laughs> can I spill Can we it? have a word? Yeah. You're in Britain now, Steve. It's not how things work. The sun's out, so we all want to sit on a terrace until it's freezing cold with a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Flipping over to TV, so Survivors, quite a lot of that was filmed in Birmingham, which people might remember from um, BBC One, that? Turn of the Millennium. Terry Nation? Yes, like um, end of the world, basically. Is that the one with Johnson from Peep Show, then? Yes. Right. Uh, Hustle. Like love tussle. Doctors, of course, which is always going to be a Birmingham thing. It's not very geeky, but it's it gets a pass. It's made in Birmingham. <laughs> Thank casualty mate. So it's <laughs> Peaky Blinders. We get some outside scenery in Peaky Blinders, but most of it's filmed in Bristol, which really annoys me. So they have like a TV studio in Birmingham in the mailbox. Just use that. Might be my also. Also, I'm kind of just over everything in Birmingham being branded as Peaky Blinders now. Like yeah. I went to a, a cocktail bar opening a few weeks ago and the drinks were all like Peaky Blinders themed. And it's like, well, you're going to put like a flat cap on them. I, I don't <laughs> what, I mean, what did they drink back there? Like r- disgusting, like, you know, dirty gin or something. Canal water. Yeah. It's <laughs> the finest local stout. I, <laughs> I, I saw you'd written this list of TV shows based in yeah. Birmingham and you missed out two Two absolute crackers. Uh, people of a certain age will know these. Is it going to be Brum by any chance? No. Oh. <laughs> you should have had Brum. Because that's that's a that, the opening sequence to that should have been used for the uh, Commonwealth Games. Yes, I, I think he, oh, just I amazing. think they should bring Brum back as the Commonwealth Games mascot. He, there, he, is, there is no reason why they can't get him. Right, everybody in this room now, get yourself online, start campaign to, for Brum to be the Commonwealth mascot. <laughs> but the other the other show that I think you missed, I don't know, I must be the only person that watched it. Does anybody watch? Did anybody see Boone? Yes. Yeah. See, that was that was a Birmingham-based show. The, is that the rubbish detective on a motorcycle? He because not, everybody else had already had a nice car, so they had to bring out a motorcycle. No, no he was the uh, he was the ITV version of Lovejoy. It was it was a great time to be alive. You had Lovejoy and Boone. You're it was really selling it here. It was, it was TV Nirvana. You had four channels. It was the best thing in the world. Um, and the other one you missed is, is our neighbours across the road, the Gadget Show. Oh, of course, yes. Lots of Birmingham-based stuff there. Well, they they you get try and hide that. that it's in Birmingham, I think, quite a bit. I don't think they do, because they just, they just, not, they just yeah. mech around, me- mess around. The, um... Gladiators. Gladiators, there we go. The NIA, yeah, I was there one of the first Two people times. battling with giant cotton buds. I mean, I, I, it was a great time in TV. I still stand Jet. <laughs> I thought he was going to say I still have my foam finger in the, the cupboard that he just waved oh, there was always that kid at school who was like yeah we went to see Gladiators live at the weekend it's like you're a filthy liar <laughs> <laughs> no one's parents ever took them to Gladiators 
Midlands today. <laughs> Pebble Mill at one. That was another one. <laughs> with, the, with the greatest rendition of Baby, you've got that. You've lost that loving feeling. <laughs> See, where would Alan Titchmarsh be now if it wasn't for Birmingham? <laughs> Gardener's World was filmed in Kings Heath Park for Indeed. many years. Oh, I feel like we're really like <laughs> yeah. reaching now. Channel Four right now. Although I, there was a film that. Uh, you miss out of your list. Anybody seen Nasty Neighbours by Debbie, is it? With Ricky Tomlinson and Phil Daniels in? Nobody's seen it? Okay. It's fine. But it's great. It's just that there's... BFI membership there. Yeah. It's supposed to be based in London, but the best part of it is one of the scenes is they're having a car race, they're having a drag race at some traffic lights. And it's shot at the top of my road. And in, in the top of the road, you can quite clearly see it branded Bearwood Coaches. You sure this wasn't <laughs> <And> your life? <laughs> <laughs> Was this you trying to get to the bus stop in the morning and they just sealed off your road? They did film it in the early hours of the morning. So it was during the summer. So it was all right. It didn't interfere with my bus journey. But, How old um, were you during this process? I would have been in my 20s, right. probably. Possibly 30s. I don't know. It's a bit, it was before she did Nativity. Um, so, yes, that was quite good. Before who did Nativity? Debbie, is it? Oh, right, Okay. <laughs> Why do you know this information about random films? Because I know I know the fa- I, I I have personal connections to the family. So I'm just name dropping clangers. <laughs> it's all good. I have one last TV show that we've missed off this list, which was the game, which was filmed in the dearly departed Birmingham Library. Again. Oh yeah, when he, it was the 1970s Russian spy series, and they used the Central Library, and they blew up part of it as part of the ending of the show. No. I was born in... I didn't watch it. I heard about it. (laughs) It was made like three years ago, Phil. (laughs) I just thought of another Midlands, well, Birmingham-based film. It was on the M6, Tom Hardy's Lock. They just just dragged a car down the motorway for hours on end. Yeah, because they had the premiere here. I remember. I can't remember Odeon, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Birmingham's great for film. It's awesome. It can be a dystopian future. Or we've covered the list off in about five minutes. I wouldn't say this is the mecca of film in Birmingham yet. Felicia's Journey. Do you remember that one? Bob Hoskins. Anybody see that? You're just saying words now. No, (laughs) they had stuff outside the electric. And the electric's been the subject of a documentary. We appreciate your local film knowledge. (laughs) It's time to move on. And it's possibly Guy's favourite segment, as he is the world's angriest man. I am. It's true. It is. Why is it rubbish? So we all pick something which really, really annoys us once a week and just shout about it quite often. So, Guy, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I'm going to go for um, people who seem to think that Heisenberg is an exceptional, acceptable fashion statement. Now, I'm sorry to anybody who does dress like this in the audience, but I was in a queue a few weeks ago, um, queuing for Wrestling Records, and there's a man stood next to me who was just rocking the whole Heisenberg look, and it's like, it doesn't look what? good. What's Heisenberg? I, you know, like that, the, the pork pie hat, you know, from Breaking Bad, you know, where he's the, like trying to be all... pork pie hat and goatee combination. Yeah, it's like people think that's good. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the yellow kind of rubber suit, <laughs> the gas mask. I could rock that, I think. I like, meth, meth lab realness. I've been to some pies where that's pretty much acceptable, wherever. <laughs> that was a long time ago. I just, I don't get when people have like looked at him and been like, do you know what, Brian Cranston in that style icon, you know, I've got a lot of that. It's just, it's not, maybe it's not right. A, maybe he's a Heisenberg cosplayer and that's just like his day-to-day where he just has this collection of hats nah. that he just needs to drop on once Mate, anybody who's keen for records outside of Rush Shop 4 a.m. morning is not a Heisenberg cosplayer. That's that's genuine, that's a genuine get-up, that is. It's, um, yeah, no, I just can't, I can't be dealing with it. It's just... It's not a good look. It wasn't a good look on Brian Cranston. I didn't like it in the show. And I think, you know, Breaking Bad has had its time. It's had its day. Stop 
Stop trying it's to imitate been 10 it. Ten years since the first series came out. Now, I'm so. really ready for people to stop telling me to watch it <laughs> because I'm not going to. I never will. I refuse. It's like when you go to a festival and you see a couple of people dressed up in the hazmat suits, like one dressing. It's kind of like more for you. It's really hot. You've got to walk around like that all day. So Can you imagine the water filling up the suit that oh. you throughout the day. Well, at least you wouldn't have to go to the loo because those portaloos are gross. You could just, you know, be like a diving suit. Phil, why is something rubbish to you? So, I don't know if any of you guys have seen this on the internet. There's um, this sort of little contingent of man babies who want to remake The Last Jedi. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Babies. So, my, my my problem with this is, it's like toxic fans, and it usually is straight white men. Not always, but mostly. Mostly... That you are the problem, guys. Um, it's <laughs> um, and it's it's when you grow up watching things like Star Trek, which is all about you know this utopian equal future where everybody is respected, or things like Star Wars, where it's all about fighting against this fascist oppressive regime, and you don't internalize any of those positive messages. It's just like oh, space battles are cool, but we don't like women. <laughs> It's, it's like, oh, why are you making everything so political by, like, you know, having a woman in this film? It's like, she is Laura Dern. Show some respect. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Mean, Star Wars fanboys already have three films that they can complain about as much as they want. Which are the prequels? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if, if you know, Our Lady Natalie Portman can't save those films, it's like, they are, they're, they're trash. I feel like we can all come together. We, we need to come together over our differences and we can all unite on The, the Phantom Menace is... A, a, just a, a, a blemish on cinematic history. Phil, do you not like sand? Is that what it is? I'm ginger, and like it's it's like uh, Tatooine's hot, and I, I would I just wouldn't deal well with that. <laughs> you, just, you would join the rebellion, get off the planet. You just wouldn't stay yeah. there. Yeah, it's not. You turn up late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Was the revolution today? Oh, like sorry, I'm hungover. Phil had. Being in there writing with George, he's going, George, George, not sand, glitter. It's a planet made of glitter. <laughs> oh my God. A planet it made of glitter. It was the 70s. It would have oh. worked. George Lucas would have right. totally gone with that. Just as well. replaced the Death Star with a disco ball in space. Yeah. <laughs> See, now I want to remake the Star now Wars. That's how, that's how you remake Star Wars. Yeah, that's it. Keith, why has something been rubbish? See, I, why do I have to go after Phil with that one? Because now everything I say just seems like trivial. Cobblers, it's not fair. I'm not so um, I thought, oh, this is good. Uh, double dipping on DVDs and Blu-rays, where they release... <laughs> triple dipping and um, all kinds of dipping, guy. No, it just annoys me sometimes. Stop, you get me hot under the collar. Okay. Um, just, just when they release Blu-rays and DVDs and they do a vanilla edition, which is just like the film and maybe yeah, a trailer. HMV exclusive edition cover. And then kind of a few months later, it's like, oh, we found some extras down the back of the set A, so we're going to put them on the DVD. Oh, and the director found some other scenes that he got on his phone that he forgot to add in, so we're going to release it again. And oh, look, it's 10 years old, so here's another version with extra bits in. And I wish they wouldn't do it. I wish they'd just go, here it is, and that's what you got. Because it annoys me a little bit, I think a few years ago, Mad Max was released... Uh, Fury Road. So there was a version. And then George Miller went, oh yeah, I made this cool one that's all kind of like black and white and chrome. And if you want to buy that for a physical disc, you got to buy it again. But if you bought it on iTunes, yeah, you get it for free or you get the 4K upgrade. I'm thinking we're getting stiffed because if you pay physical money for a physical disc, you kind of have to keep upgrading. But if you buy digital, which I don't like, I don't like buying digital. I'm kind of a philistine when it comes to that. I like having a physical disc. So when the internet goes down in my street, which is quite regular, I can take the disc off and watch it. I haven't got to stream it from anywhere. So I wish we just got everything in one go. I pay my money. That's good. 
See, mine's kind of the reverse of yours there, Keith. Mine is limited editions that then become wide release. So we've got San Diego Comic-Con up soon, and they're releasing some very limited edition Funko Pops there. So they're doing stuff like Taika Waikiki, uh, Black Bolt, and Lockjaw from the actual good comics version of the Inhumans, not the TV series. No, not the TV yeah. series. <laughs> but they say they're limited edition, and then six to nine months later, there'll be even be an embargoes for a fiver for like 100 releases. Like Either do a limited edition or general release. Don't try and do both constantly. It's like, well, they, they've released it as like a limited thing. And then they see, you know, the, re- the reaction is like, oh, God, like everyone wants one. So we'll, we'll like give every, like we'll, we'll produce yeah. enough for everyone. But then it's like, well, no, just like create, make, create make, that demand yeah, by, by only it, making a few. Make a collector's edition or not bother. Well, just don't yeah. try and do both. It's not the record store day stuff. So it's like mania, people trying to get stuff. And then there was the Bowie single from this year, which everybody wanted. But like you can still get it. It's like it's crazy. Like you, people queue outside the shops at ridiculous times in the morning. But like just wait a few moments, you'll still go and get it. Yeah. Limited edition of a hundred thousand. That's not a limited edition. Yeah. It's, just not... it's the whole thing with Funko Pops. I don't think the word limited edition exists in their vocabulary because I think there's now more Funko Pops on the planet than anything else. I think if aliens land, they're going to think it's the dominant species <laughs> on the planet. If they become self-aware, we are drowning in plastic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This is this is the normal human pose, one hand up, one hand down, <laughs> big that, head, with that weird sort of like scowly smile where they're like, yeah. oh, I'm yeah. just imagining now like they're trying to represent humanity in a giant Funko Pop walking out of a spaceship to come and shake hands. That like, sounds like that video I watched last week. Is <laughs> <laughs> this one you found on a DVD in your backyard? <laughs> <laughs> There's a story behind that. Listen to previous podcasts yeah. and you'll find Which all we, about we it. We can tell a story. I moved into a new house and uh, me and my my partner we were looking in the garden. And we were like, oh, what's in this blue bag that's in this uh, this, this uh, barbecue? And uh, somebody left a bag of porn for us. That was uh, just a big bag of porn. It's beautiful. <laughs> Not um, and then we we thought, well, it would be a great idea to see what the titles were in it. So there's me and him, him holding it with a, a plastic spade, <laughs> me holding it with a like, hook, trying to just rip it open to try and see. And then like we ripped it, and then about one of the titles kind of like, flipped out at us. I've never seen him run so fast down the garden. <laughs> what, what got me was there was no consistency with the actual contents of those DVDs. Three DVDs in a very kind of different kind of categories. The lowest point in my year was having to take it out of my garden and put it in the bin, to be honest with you. It's, uh, I didn't want to touch that. But yeah, Do you always check when you move into a new house that uh, people haven't left that sort of stuff in the garden. It's, uh, it's not great. <laughs> I would say check the lime scale when you're moving. <laughs> Damn. Rising down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Windows missing. Just, just the general kind of things. If it doesn't enable want to come back and pick, like, take the remaining stuff you left behind. Well, you could have just put it in the post box because they usually would forward the post. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I'm opening? not sending that on the post. You left your form behind. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think that is pretty much time for us. So thank you very much for joining us here at Geeky Brummy, live at The Mockingbird. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all the usual other places with Geeky Brummy. So it's G-W-E-K-Y-B-U-R-B-R-U-M-I. You think I know it after 120 episodes? It's on the big screen. It's on the big screen. Just that one. But we have a YouTube channel as well, and we do a live radio show every Saturday at midday. So if you've enjoyed today, please give us a listen. Pretty much that's it. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you.